Hello, Grumsworth. Oh, hello, Burlock. How do you do? <laughs> I'm very well, actually, yeah. I'm very mm. well. Yeah, I've been, I'm in good health. How about you? Good health. Um, I can say the same, actually, yeah. Very good, pretty very solid, good. Pretty solid. So we're back here, aren't we, with another of the, um, the preamble? Yes, indeed, yeah. Episode one of the preamble. Episode one, yeah. Bringing yeah. you a... Uh, well, bringing you an every so often digest, I guess, of uh, it is hobby rambling. <laughs> yeah, there'll be a lot of rambling to which we bid you all a really um, like warm welcome, don't we, as well? Absolutely. What are we going to converse about today? What have you been up to this week, Burlock? This week? Well, yeah, in fact, this week has been an interesting one for me. Um, I've dove into the world of, of game creation. Um, uh, working on uh, game systems for a miniatures war game, playing around with some ideas, working out what ideas from other systems I can lift <laughs> and are able to make legally distinct enough to not worry about it, I suppose. But because um, there's a lot That's out the way there, to do it. There's, a, there's a lot of stuff out there, and lots lots to draw from. Um, but I've got lots of ideas rattling around in this this uh, cage of mine up here, and it's. Um, it's coming together quite nicely, early days, but uh, yeah, we got together some good uh, combat systems for this particular war game, sci-fi war game. Um, yeah. We've got some interesting between-game uh, ideas, um, you know, like joining your games together like a campaign, for example. So ideas taken from places like Necromunda, for example, where your, your, ga your gangs will move up uh, in experience and gain skills and that sort of thing. But it's done on a, on a larger scale in, in, in a galaxy. I think Mass Effect that kind of way ah, yeah, very good. Like the video game mass effect so yeah some some interesting um some interesting ideas are coming out and uh, a couple of guys i'm working on it with we've been thrashing out some ideas for a good few days now we've got we've got some good things on paper so i'm happy to see it coming together at last because many a time have i had an idea as we all have <laughs> and and it's never really come to any kind of fruition it's just remained an idea but, yeah, um, as they do sometimes, isn't it? It yeah. takes real um, strength of spirit, a bit of force, some booze. Uh, yeah, some booze helps, a little bit of guts, you know, to just go with go with your instincts on some of these things, um, mm -hmm. not to second-guess yourself, you know, not to doubt yourself. But, you know, all in all, I'm quite happy with the progress I've made this week. So that's really the, the main hobby I've been engaged in, and that mm -hmm. is game design to an extent, which I hope to be able to talk about in a little more depth at some stage in the future. That'd be um, lovely. I'd love to hear about yeah. that. A little bit of painting, obviously. Still getting me a paint to brush in, as it's, as is as is traditional. As is code. As is code, exactly right. So, um, yeah, I've been working on on a little bit of painting, um, gathering up some more some more chaos dwarves into the fold, as 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 always. Um, otherwise, general life stuff. You know how it is. How about you? General life stuff. I mean, I've done a bit of general life stuff. I, I, I try to steer clear of it as much as I possibly can, for obvious reasons, right? Of course. Um, but some of that has happened. Um, but more importantly, well, pertinent to this rambling discussion anyway, uh, it will be the case that I have finally finished off um, the last three of my uh, Cordor gangs. For Very nice. Let. Very nice and right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, they're yeah, coming together uh, really strong from the last picture I saw. They're looking very good. Yeah, really happy with them. Um, the, uh, the the bases took a little bit of a fiddle, 
Um, Colour-wise, I'd initially got them in a kind of like a, a rusty brown type hue as befitting the uh, ruin of the underhive, mm, where these cool. little dudas live. Um, plenty of rust, plenty of slime, I'm sure. That's right. Where they live, work and play, scavenging, mm. worshipping the emperor, you know, like any good, sturdy, devout <laughs> I ever should. Um, but yeah, the bases on the first pass came out far too rusty looking and too grubby, which is cool for Necromunda, obviously. But the Cordor themselves, as you can see from the pictures here, are pretty yes. damn rusty anyway. They are brown. Yeah, plenty of browns this, on there, aren't there? Looking nice, was, Yeah, yeah, I'm really, really pleased with the way they've come out. Yeah. Um, and, uh, uh, yeah, as I said before, I think a lot of the heavy lifting, um, colour-wise, uh, comes courtesy of uh, GW's contrast paints. Which I only conscience the use of for robes. It's a it's controversial, but certainly, yeah, they have their uses. I too have uh, you know thrown down some initial base coats. I think for a lot of things with the contrast yeah. paints, um, you know, weirdly to contrary to Games Workshop's initial release about them saying it being good for the beginner, I find that to be quite the opposite. Weirdly, I find that they're I a little bit clumsy to use at times. So having a practiced hand I find is actually more beneficial with the contrast range than, than not. They are quite clumsy, unwieldy, they're mm. so full of pigment um, and you need to apply them quite specifically yeah. to get a decent result, especially if you're, whatever your painting has uh, multiple kind of base coat colours on it. That's it, uh, yeah. I, re I really think that they're not entirely ideal. That's by the by, we can have mm. a good ramble about contrast paints. Oh, many different paints that I've used over the years, in fact. And don't get me started on secret weapons, weathered wood, because that, that will eclipse the rest of this conversation. So and I'm just going to... Yeah, looking at those you've got some in there, haven't you? I've got, I've got plenty in there. Plenty. Weathered, weathered uh, wood. Weathered wood, it kind of it ends up highlighting the majority of those um, uh, miniatures, robes, skin, masks, armour, hair... Bits of old bone, you know. Very versatile colour, isn't it? Very versatile. Oh, I just find it incredible. But I'm going to try to stop gushing over it because that <laughs> will be for another episode, right? Absolutely um, right, it will. I'm here to talk about the bases. The bases? Right? Which, yeah. Which they, were longer, they were rusty. Mm. They were rusty. They're no longer rusty. They're now in this kind of um, two-tone colour scheme. As you can see there, it is... Some mm. of the plates are... Um, uh, Inkyby Darkness, which is a lovely blue-black-green, but I love Inkyby Darkness. It is superb, really mm. versatile. Yep. It's worked really well on these bases because it's given a good counterpoint colour-wise to the quite light browns of their rags and robes and stuff. It also has like a sci-fi metal feel about it, which it does, is out yeah, it does yeah. work quite well for that, actually. Yeah, yeah, very good choices. Very good choices indeed, and they're looking very strong. Yeah, I'm really very strong. Um, mm. There's there's a few more to do the uh, uh, the leader um, and uh, a couple of champions that I've got right. involved. Yep. And then there's then there's going to be some secret followers being added. Th these ones are uh, some kind of kitbashed kind of bits and pieces uh, that I'm hoping to fill out the ranks with because mm. I think that's what you need yeah. to do. And I mean, to be honest, with a, with a lot of skirmish games, as Necromunda is, um, I do like seeing um, 
a good kit bash from time to time. You know, the out of the box is great, but um, you know, seeing a, seeing a kit bash, seeing some some head swaps or simple something as simple as a head swap or something as simple as a weapon swap is fine. But really going to town in the Necromunda miniatures is cool. <laughs> you know, it really brings out that personal touch that you want to give to give to your guys. It does. It does. I mean, I'm not going to say they're going to be good kit bashes. Far from it. <laughs> <laughs> they will like. They will likely be. Um, no, no. They they are in truth going to be quite dense. But they're going to be some very very lightly armored guys, mm. uh, and uh, the, they need a slightly different um, paint treatment on them as well. Okay. Um, so maybe maybe next week possibly. We, we might see one or two of those bods staggering Very forward. Well, I look forward to seeing that. That's for sure. Absolutely right, yeah. Um, so that, that, that has consumed the majority of my um, hobby time this week. Very nice. Very nice indeed. We've got a, a, a rough topic to outline today, haven't we? With it's our, pretty rough. Pretty rough. Um, yeah. But nonetheless, on, in, interesting. Um, talking about the the genesis of things the beginnings of things which is always a good start to a good tale isn't it you need a beginning um i think it i think it also a very nice kind of um it, it synergizes well with the number of and of our podcast and, and its birth as well doesn't it you know? why, why not start at the beginning yeah that's right so grumsworth let me ask you a question go on um Talking about discoveries and beginnings and births, what was the first sort of contact, the first contact that you had with a sci-fi or a fantasy hobby? Because everyone's got one. Everyone's got their own tale to tell. Um, but it always begins with a particular moment, and I can remember mine quite vividly, quite clearly, um, still to this day. Still um, to this very day. Yes. What was yours? Well, mine feels like it was only yesterday, um, but in reality, it, I, it must be a, a, an awful number of years ago. Like, it's staggering, actually. Um, it, it actually came. Gracious. <laughs> it actually came uh, one Christmas. Uh, you know, the offering of gifts and such is the That's ideal brilliant. time for some sort of um, hobby type item mm. to find its way into your stocking. Maybe, maybe, maybe parceled up under your tree, even, or maybe, as in my case, it was parceled up under the tree of my dear cousins. Oh. It wasn't even under my own tree. What this was, what this was, is it was a large kind of uh, impressive-looking box, obviously containing a board game of some description, all wrapped up and whatnot. Um, and it was the case that we spent Christmas Day with them one year, uh, and this box was. This, uh, this present was opened to find inside um, a piece of cover art on a board game box that is now burnt into my mind uh, and was the beginning, really, of all things hobby for me. Okay. And maybe, like many of us, it, there were a couple of different games that were going around at the time. Yeah. Um, uh, and there was a, a fantasy version and there was a sort of sci-fi version. The sci-fi version was the one that was uh, revealed under all that paper nice, all those nice. long years ago, um, <laughs> and it was it was Space Crusade. Space Crusade. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It's just an incredible thing, really. So, opening up this box there, 
I can still remember the scent of all of the amazing like card stock and things. Oh, isn't that they strange? Do. Yeah, they, scents are good for that, aren't they? You know, you, you'd open yeah. up, open up something, and it would take you right back. You was, you'll get that smell again in the most unlikely of places, and you'll instantly go back to that yeah. one moment in time. Yeah, so evocative. Um, but yeah, so all this lovely card stock in this box, these brightly coloured sprues of miniatures, um, darker shades for the um, for the the enemies. But this was the first time that I had ever seen anything like this, mm. and I immediately noticed that uh, on these kind of sprues of of all these wonderful looking little guys. There were guns there and there were swords there and there were axes there and there were things with bestial faces and there was a great sort of grey biped walker in there that had the biggest guns of all mm. and an evil snarling little face it did at the very front, front. It did. <laughs> the chaos front it. that's it um, yeah and uh and yeah just even from just that moment like pulling those sprues out and looking at them I was completely unaware that they were connected to anything else, um, that, that they would require painting if you wanted to. Yeah, yeah. It, they, they just looked like individual kind of things that I, I, I wasn't really aware that it would be such a complex game as it turns out. Uh, but so we set to just sort of popping these guys off the sprue, just twisting them off with our bare claws. Oh, of course. Who needs what, What's a clipper? Well, <laughs> what are some side cutters? Mm, exactly. <laughs> what, what are they? What are these? I want to play with these toys. These are great. <laughs> and that is exactly what they were. So these things mm. were pulled ragged from the sprues. They're bolt guns, assault cannon, missile launcher and plasma gun pressed into their little hands there like this. Um, and then some of the uh, bad guy dudas were mm. on their bases and things as well. Nothing. We had a little read of the rules, what, whatever we understood. We found a load of dice and oh, we, sort of, we sort of started <laughs> marching them down the corridors. Um, and and <sighs> yeah, it, it, and it was, that's the beginning point of it all. You know, in that box were orcs, chaos space marines, space marines. Um, all of the things that would lead you into the yeah. universe of Warhammer 40,000. It's interesting, isn't it, how there were diff so many different races in that, at that early stage when games were being put together within the 40k universe. Yeah. The thinking must have been, oh, let's let's throw these and some of these and some of these. There were some of the, was that the same set as the one where you got the early Necrons as well? I saw a robot warriors, Chaos Androids, I believe they were. You know it. Chaos mm. androids, you believe exactly right, yeah, yeah. They were attached to the Dreadnought sprue, so they mm. were in grey, which gave them a very pride of place among the, the, the sprue city that mm. lived in that box. Tough dudes as well. Very, very, yeah. I believe <laughs> they were rolling three white dice. Three white dice. Yeah. Oh. Um, but, um, but yeah, so, so that really began it all. Um, there, there was a sort of a, a a period of time afterwards where I didn't see anything else that looked like this, but um, no. we 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 badgered our parents into buying us a copy of our own Space Crusade, me right. and my dear brothers. Yeah, um, yeah. And then just randomly one day wandering into a sweet shop to buy a small bag of penny sweets or some such, there was a white dwarf magazine sat on the shelf. That I looks familiar. That, that looks like that looks like those guys out of this gate. They're on there, and then opening it, 
there was uh, there was untold was pages and pages of painted miniatures. Yeah, um, and and ever since then, that has been the meat and bones of my days. So you know that the first contact was made with Space Crusade, but yeah. your first journey through that hobby doorway was the pages of White Dwarf. It was. Mm. It was. I still own a copy of that White Dwarf, which I bought in later years. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The other one was yeah. Red Ragged, I'm sure. It was It was red <laughs> till its spine broke, you know. That's all that White Dwarf should be. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. I hear it's making a bit of a comeback these days. I, I hear print journalism isn't dead. No, apparently it's not. Still, yeah. Not. <laughs> Everything isn't digital, apparently. <laughs> Apparently not. Oh, they tell yeah. you what, the, the, you know, the, the, the generations that White Dwarf's gone through over the years, it's been mm. good and then a bit bad and then really good and then a little bit bad and then, <laughs> then terrible, you know. It's, it's, it's done a bit of everything. It's done yeah. Do you remember when they were A5 size? When they were a Goodness. tiny little, almost like a pocket. Yeah, and you, you could roll it up like the, uh, the handy dice tray and <laughs> shove it in your pocket. You could do it exactly yeah. like the uh, legendary handy dice tray. Yeah, quite the weapon as well. How yeah, about yourself? Well, I mean, goodness me, for me, I, I don't even know where they came from, to be completely honest with you. Mm -hmm. But my first memory of seeing anything to do with miniatures or soldiers it, it, with, with that sort of level of detail involved was from a packet of combat cards, actually. Uh, must have been the very first version that were released. Um, I can't remember if it was the ones with the yellow back or the red back, because there are there may even be one with some with blue. But either way, it was a pack of combat cards, and I saw these fantastic looking models, and they looked evil and gruesome, and they had some most interesting names. And of course, as a kid at the time, I must have I don't know, I must have been about six or seven years old, something like that. You know, way back in, in the annals of time, um, but. I was a fan of things like Transformers and Thundercats, you know, and I had all the action figures kicking around, right? And so I saw these things, and these looks unusual. You know, they, they, weren't, they weren't toys. They didn't look like toys, but they looked just as cool as some of my other toys. I'm like, these things. And combat cards, for those of you listeners out there or viewers out there that have played combat cards, it's a very simple game, but it's the imagery that captured me, the, uh, the logo for the combat cards looked cool. That big old dagger ran through it. And the, the shield of combat yeah. was like the edge of a shield or something. So it looked menacing and it looked really spiky and cool. It was like, this is great. Um, and I hadn't, I had, I, I had this set of cards for a while and it wasn't really until I wandered into, I think it was a hobby shop somewhere in the South of England, uh -huh. <laughs> some random hobby shop old and dusty, really musty smelling hobby shop, you know? The best sort, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. You don't yeah. get many of them like that anymore, I tell you. But in the corners of some little village, you still get those little bastions of, of old hobby. Anyway, it was like one of those places I went in and I saw on the, the shelves these blister packs hanging up of miniatures and I recognised them straight away. I said, oh, they're like they're the same figures as, as from those cards I had. And I still I still had. I, probably, I think I carried them cards around with me everywhere I went. I may well have had some in my pocket at the time. Just do you have pocket. some now? No, I don't. <laughs> I do have some, but they're not on me, not in my very okay. pocket. Okay. <laughs> mm. um, but, yeah, I saw these miniatures inside these little blister packs, 
hanging on those dusty shelves. And um, I picked some up and I badgered mother and father. I said, oh, let's have these. You're out of pocket money, they said. I don't, I don't this is really cool though. Look, and I convinced them, convinced them. And it was some very early um, orcs and goblins that were in some blister packs because I remembered those from the cards. I recognized those wow. in my head. And of course, the, the guy behind the counter did as is right and said, you know, you need to paint these, right? So, oh, right. now. That's it, yeah. And he, he, he took me over to the, to the back of the shop where there was this old cabinet, again, full of dust. But in this cabinet were all the miniatures that he painted himself. Oh, I love and it so much. They were, they, were, they were great. I said, oh, yeah. wow, you painted all those. And then, of course, that was it. You know, that, I was instantly hooked. Yeah. And he had me hook, line and sinker. And yeah. I think I think even my folks were like, this is quite a cool thing. This, this is yeah, and I think he was selling it to them more than he was to me. But I didn't feel like that yeah. as an eight year old kid. You know, so he sold me, of course, the traditional enamel humbrol. <laughs> yeah. With with. <laughs> oh, yes. The, the enamel humbrol paints. And of course, I like picked them all up, shoved them in a bag, and I said, thank you very much. And I think a few days later, I managed to sit at the kitchen table with the, the newspaper, as was given to me by the folks. That's very Dip traditional. This down. Oh, you're not going to spill any of that? No, so I painted them up, and, and that was it. You know, that, that was me sold. But if it wasn't for that combat card. And talking about White Dwarfs being good again all of a sudden, they've just re-released, yeah. apparently they've just redone the combat cards, but in digital form. Is that would actually you, the case? Would you believe? Yeah. I, I saw an advert for it, I think, on Instagram. Okay. Randomly, and it was just yeah. combat cards. I thought, no, this, this can't be right. What's this random person done? But it's an official thing. Yeah, they've released it as a mobile game. And they're not, they're not, or they are the original? They're not or... the originals, of course. They're ah. not. No, they're, they're full of primaries, aren't they? Full of primaries, full of necrons. Um, okay. They do look quite good, actually. I must confess. I'm sure you know, they, they are. They yeah, look fun, yeah, yeah. Um, just yeah. like your hearthstones and your, mm -hmm. your magic arenas. Um, mm -hmm. You know, they're, they're, you know, the digital card games these days are, you know, yeah. are a thing, aren't they? So. But they're superb as well, aren't they? If they're if yeah. they're like if they're nicely run, uh, they're well balanced, uh, and if they look cute as well, mm -hmm. then I'm sure it'll be a roaring success, and maybe even. Imagine this. Imagine if some tiny six-year-old child whips up their mobile phone, has a little look through, cards there, and then, and then one day, um, how would how would he find himself into a dusty old hobby shop these days, though? Um, that happen, do you reckon? I don't know. I don't, I don't know if that will ever happen again. I don't know if that same magic can ever get captured. That distilled hobby love that comes only from an old man's shop <laughs> you can't get it anymore <laughs> yeah it's well i mean i i, I reckon there's there are slim pickings for old men hobby shops these mm -hmm. days yeah but they i reckon they're still out there somewhere <laughs> and if I there think... isn't perhaps when we reach the appropriate age a hundred maybe we could do it maybe, ourselves <laughs> imagine exactly. that what would we call it? What would our hobby shop be called? Uh, we'd, it'd be called uh, Oldman's. Oldman's. Oldman's yeah. Hobbies. And we'd, we'd have every kind of amble available, wouldn't we? We'd have every amble available <laughs> that we had created ourselves as well. Maybe some we'd sculpted out with our very hands. Yeah, yeah. Our various mediums, I would imagine. Same thing. 
Yes, exactly right. That was it, really. I mean, that for me is the uh, how I discovered my first, more you know, my first contact with the yeah. sci-fi and fantasy hobby. It was kind of combined, really, because you had the traitor legionnaires in the same. There was old school chaos traitor legionnaires, you know, who were part of the Warhammer range but still had the bolt gun. <laughs> yes, that yeah, I I seem to remember. Yeah, so I that was kind of perplexing for me. That was, um, yeah, it was confusing. Even even as a kid, I remember looking at some of those. Again, we'll talk about White Dwarf again in the um, uh, the kind of catalogue department at the back of the old issues. I would see sort of rows of beast men wielding clubs, mm-hmm. chaos cultists with their knives, makes sense, bone, etc., etc. Yeah, a guy who looked vaguely like a chaos warrior, who although who happened to have some sort of marvel of um, machinery hanging off his back, yes. like a couple of thrusters perched. <laughs> so, and then the guy next to him, just a big old assault cannon stuffed in his claws. Why not? <laughs> so, but I'm sure. Actually, I'm not sure. But but this kind of rings true. Let me see if this nugget of information has settled in the ferment of your chaos knowledge. I believe it was the case many, many, many years ago. And you see echoes of this even now, sort of, that the um the 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 blood god of chaos, corn, had some sort of time travel shenanigans going on so if you look at even even in current times you'll see a lot of his kind of demonic beasts um and such have a mechanical dint about them don't they that's right yeah they do yeah yeah Yeah, i do remember vaguely some some of the many 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 chaos champions that were around in those early days Mm. and they were so many varied so much character captured in those plenty to choose from yeah uh yeah and I, I, I think they all had names as well at some point. Yeah. Um, Gore, I yeah. vaguely remember. Um, Hack, was he called Gore the Space Marine, though? <laughs> I don't think he um, was. No, he, had, he just had a sword and a shield, but I think he was uh, he was one of those named corn champions, I think. Nice. Yeah, yeah, but he was, just yeah. a, he was just a random figure, but they'd given him a yeah. name in the catalogue, you know. But there was Very definitely cool. one yeah. amongst that range who was... He looked like a miniature version of the um, big brass monstrosity that you have now that the, the um, lord of brass is it One yes corn machine yes. it was like a miniature yeah. version of that like a man-sized version of that he had this like set of rollies yeah. to the feet and it was a it was a fantasy figure yeah. and he had some big old mechanical bionic arm of course he did yeah <laughs> as you say assault cannons strapped to his fists and things and it's yeah. like how are you yeah. going to stand up against this fellow you're a bunch of sword armed humans <laughs> and, I, and I remember that seeming strange, even at that young age. Yeah, it is bizarre. I have some of these. I'm sure that in the last copy of this magazine that I read, I saw a load of guys with sort of pointed, beaky-looking helmets with the same gun. This guy <laughs> is taken into battle against a load of dwarfs with beards and axes. You know. I want to. I want to have that guy. Thanks. I love him. <laughs> yeah, he did, you he can keep it. very fair then. Yeah. <laughs> no, you're right. It was. I, I don't. I don't know much about the very, very early law from those days, mm-hmm. or even if there was any. To be fair, I don't yeah. even think there yeah. was a lot. I think it was just 
miniatures that maybe not fudged together by the sculptors. You know, Jess Goodwin, the Morrisons, I think they were were sculpting all the things back then from the old Marauder days. And I think it was just make these guys look crazy and And cool and really cool. They did that, didn't they? Really did, yeah. Yeah, I love a lot of those old old miniatures. I still pour over some of those in my collection, thinking, oh, one day. (laughs) One One day day you'll get round. Maybe maybe one day I'll even get around to painting them. Who knows? After 25 years. Well, maybe it'll be the case that once, you know, once Oldman's opens for business, you'll be able to have a, a, you know, a shelf of that beautiful cabinet. That's it. With just a load of corn guys with bolt guns. Well, Um, you heard it here first, folks. All you viewers and listeners out there, once once we reach the ripe old age of 100, which isn't far off, that's right. Yeah, we'll yeah. be opening up Oldman's and we'll be sure to serve each and every one of you the finest corn champion with an assault cannon. We will do exactly that. Each one will be delicately named by ourselves. That's right. Gift wrapped as well. Mr. Bloody Muck Assault Cannons, <laughs> etc. Exactly et right. Yeah. <laughs> Sounds yeah. groovy. Oh, yeah. Oh, he'll be, a, he'll be an absolute monster. Um, but yeah, I, I th- it's very interesting, those how sort of memories of uh, of just beginning your first steps into the uh, the hobby those humbrol paints and things like this um smells those, as you say the scent, the scent of, little, of the games yeah the, uh, yeah the quiet sound of, of of those old model shops and things like this yep. um no music was played of course no music was played of course no the games workshops were different. They generally now, had some loud metal. <laughs> now that that was kind of where I was going to move on to, actually, yeah. because because I think it's the case that people don't discover the hobby maybe in the same way that that they did back in the day. Maybe obviously, um, because you can walk into a games workshop. They're they're so common these days. And plenty of independent stores are as well, and they're lively, bright places. As you say, there was a there was a period of time. I would say probably the mid nineties to the early two thousands, when every Games Workshop, maybe actually earlier than that, but stretching roughly that time, mm. every Games Workshop in the land would have a good solid collection of long airs selling all of the miniatures. Yeah, it's lucky if they're wearing a staff shirt. <laughs> it, it was it was a rare thing to it was it was difficult to know they were even going to be serving you, but you didn't mind because like they looked cool and it was a cool shop. It made sense that these bearded, pierced, tattooed metalers were serving you miniatures that were made of metal and probably right. had festooned with piercings themselves and were wielding yeah. swords and axes. It kind of just fuses, doesn't it? <laughs> Quite yeah, neatly. It so. really did as well. It made it, it made so much sense. There wasn't even a question in my mind that this was the place that I needed to be in. Mm. Um, yeah, and, and there'd be some generic metal playing over the speakers. Um, and you could you could walk in there and, and the hobby was it, the hobby was already becoming accessible. Um, and now it's just it's reached that logical progression whereby as I say, there's a brightly lit, um, fresh-smelling, well-stocked games workshop or independent store, um, sort of almost in every decent-sized town, right? Yeah. It's one of those interesting um, moments where you think to yourself, gosh, I've, I've seen this system evolve throughout the generations. 
from when I first began to right the way through to how it is now. And yeah, there is stark differences and there are periods within that, that, that period of time, you know, which, which you can pull out and say, I remember when things were, were like this or I can yeah. things were like that. And I, I saw the change from that to that. And it was fascinating to see. Um, and I think now the hobby, uh, as far as miniature wargaming goes, certainly, and I, I'm pretty sure it's the same with people that are really into their D and D and have played since the yeah. very early days, you know, since the yeah, late seventies, yeah. um, they can say that I've, I've witnessed all of this. I've experienced all of this and it all makes sense. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And I've been there through thick and thin through the rough and the smooth and, um, yeah, right. all because of that very beginning as we discussed, you know, when we first yeah. laid eyes on that very first miniature, when we first cracked that first plastic miniature off the sprue with our fingers, yeah. and now we wouldn't dare. <laughs> but beyond that... Talking of functions and serving functions, yeah. um, our podcast has a series of different things we want to try and introduce, one of which will be our next segment, I guess. I think you're right. I think, And, and if this isn't the um, the complete encapsulation of service and function i just don't know what is really no that's right screw up the rule book <laughs> exactly <laughs> um we're going to analyze a little something here aren't we we're going to we're going to have a look at a um a magic card that's right uh, we're going to cast our eye over one which is something we're going to do we're planning to do every week aren't we every time yeah yeah every time we uh we roll one of these things out what have we got today then well the card we have today Let's let's bring it up on the screen, perhaps. Um, we have a card that's somewhat recent. I believe it's uh, still, as of the recording of this podcast, um, still in standard, um, which is the most recent few sets. Um, and it's called, a card called the Elder Spell. Um, I from, see it now. Yeah, yeah. For more of the spark. There we are. Mm -hmm. It's a black card, a sorcery some rules text, a little bit of flavour text on this one, which is the italics at the bottom. Which I like um, this one. That's yeah. right. That's all the fine text at the bottom there. Um, it goes on to say this is actually a spotlight card from the story, that is, from the story that's woven um, into the, uh, the release of this set. Mm. So this is a, 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 a critical moment in the story of, of The War of the Spark. And the artwork itself is done by Darken, who Hero is Darken. a very accomplished artist in my opinion as we can see as well uh, rogues gaming have done a an inter interview with him so be sure uh -huh. to check out that um that article because it's very good but nonetheless his his work here it looks 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 pretty magnificent what do you make of it i think so so dark in there uh, has i mean this this thing is kind of quite a masterpiece isn't it really the the depth um of the picture as well the sort of elements that it are that are closest to us there's a massive distance between them and the background sky mm. and all the things in between it gives you the kind of feeling that you are you're looking down into the card um even though your your sort of eye level is quite low it almost feels with that in mind it almost feels as though you have been affected in the same way as that poor chap Absolutely. in the foreground and yes. your your last you're laid low is or laid low perhaps yeah for me it's like my last image i'm gonna see is my comrade here being attacked here by these uh these skeleton sorts um 
Yeah, it is very kind of life draining kind of yeah. look about it. It has that um, that sort of spectral kind of life leeching glow about it, doesn't it? Do you think? Uh, yeah, these these guys are obviously extracting something um, yeah, from from these that. poor chaps. Yeah, um, and it looks like the ones that have been successful are brimming with some kind of power. Yeah, yeah, overflowing with the stuff. In fact, mm. aren't they? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I like how the, um, the perspective is not only we talked about how sort of low down it is. You're kind of almost mm. you're 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 sucked in from above almost into the picture, but you're looking up at the characters. But the, uh, yes. the, the sort yeah. of the the, the the angle, the horizon is slightly askew. Can you see? It's uh, yeah, I quite like that. It sort of makes that, it look a little bit awkward. It does. Yeah, it does, and I think that also gives gives the sort of impression that you were saying um that you you perhaps uh, the viewer has been a victim uh, of, of this elder's spell um that they they look like it looks like you're slumping to the side or something like that which That's is it. which is a really cool use of perspective isn't it i think um, so yeah i think so certainly and 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 that's and that's before you even get into uh, the, the the beauty of the color in this composition as well mm. um starting quite like light and dusty very realistic tones towards the 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 bottom part of the picture and then going off into this very very magical um really vibrant looking colors uh these kind of quite um uh alien fairly evil looking characters in all their segmented slightly spiky armor mm. skull faces and then off to the bleak, cold sky above. Yeah, so it seems like that dusty, green kind of atmosphere from the world itself, that's what makes the uh, this power that these skeletons are using, to, makes it look that much more otherworldly. It looks like it does. Yes. this shouldn't right. be happening in this place, but it is. Um, yeah. It's quite... It's quite uh, it's quite a thrilling piece, actually. I mean, you don't know where it's going to go. You know, obviously these people are these these creatures are, are winning because there isn't mm. a single um, single human standing, is there? Really, there's no no. Uh, so they're obviously on the ascendance, these these folk. But who knows? And so, so, so maybe we can discover a little bit more from the um, uh, the mechanical uh, text mm. on this card as well. What it does in the game for a player. Um, in game, playing, yeah, yeah. 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 Um, so, as it says here, it, you uh, you cast it at sorcery. So you know, it's a spell you would cast. It doesn't create any creatures onto the. Uh, it doesn't create any creatures in the game. Um, but it does allow you to destroy any number of target planeswalkers. Mm. Um, and planeswalkers was a very big theme for this particular set. I mean, the name itself, the War of yeah. the Spark. Um, suggests that it's um, a battle for um, for and being fought by planeswalkers because they they yeah. have the planeswalker spark inside them. This is something that would ignite in this character's um, mm -hmm. lifetime at some stage. Would allow them to then um, to have a certain element of power imbued in them from this spark awakening, um, and it also allows them to um, planeswalk, i.e., go from plane to plane, travel from. Um, place to place um writing wrongs singing songs doing all the things that heroes do but villains can That's also have do. yeah villains can also have sparks as well um so obviously this creates this kind of uh, conflict this multi 
planar conflict, uh, which, in as far as the story is concerned, of um, of War of the Spark, here, sort of culminates on in this place. Um, and being that planeswalkers are involved in this right the way through, um, as opposed to just being the single most hero of a set or only having a smattering of them throughout other sets, there were lots in this particular set. So in a game of magic for War of the Spark, you would certainly see a lot of planeswalkers on the field. So being able to destroy any number of them um, quite powerful would be quite powerful under um, you know outside of War of the Spark before War of the Spark was released. Having a card that was be able to destroy a planeswalker was oh, okay, and for only two mana, very powerful. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, yeah. Um, and destroying any number of them. Yeah, yeah. Bearing that in mind, is that what we're witnessing with this um, the, uh, the the magic depicted in the uh, the card there? Is yeah. that the removal of their spark? It looks like it to me. Yeah, that bright that bright energy that's yeah. being drawn out and look, it looks like it's being yeah. fed into their allies there. I mean, yeah. the second the second part of the rules text here says to put two loyalty counters on, uh, on a planeswalker that you control for each one that you destroy. In this way. Yeah. So you sort of drain the life energy out of the, your enemies and you imbue it into your friends again. So you have to have your own planeswalkers for that to work. Um, yeah. But if you don't, your enemy's planeswalkers still get destroyed. Um, yeah. So it's a very aggressive card. Um, as and is befitting the color, I think the color pie here. Yeah. It's, a, it's a double black, a black card, um, two, yeah. two black yeah, mana. Double, yeah. You know that that outright aggression, um, that life drain ability mm -hmm. that um, mm -hmm. uh, the uh, the black mana has. Um, yeah, very good, and I love the flavor text to go alongside it as well. Works really, really well, mm. doesn't it? Yeah. yeah, the path to power is often paved with atrocities. The destruction of sparks may be being being the prime. Absolutely. And be, being the Planeswalker Spark um, is such a rare thing that should be cherished and nurtured mm. to just destroy it out of hand, as is happening here in this image, is an atrocity. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so as far as the story goes, you can see why this is quite a, a pivotal point in the story from how we've described yeah. it. Hopefully you can understand. I mean, for any of you guys listening out there on audio only, apologies, you won't see the, the image, but please go and check it out if you get a chance. The Elder Spell. By darken yeah e even if even if you were to just go and take a look um uh at darken's website there mm -hmm. uh, or, or just find the image elsewhere it right. is a, a superb picture um really beautiful very evocative of, of what the card does mechanically its flavor text is very beautiful um, yep. it suits it suits the the uh um the black color block just perfectly doesn't it yeah, I agree. Um, yeah, a fine choice, a fine choice. So, um, who, who was it chosen um, by? This was chosen by uh, one, uh, actually one of our one of our um, very early listeners, thankfully, by the name of Jody. Excellent. Very good. Thank you, Jody. Oh, bless you, Jody. Yeah, good yeah, job. Nice, nice choice. choice. Yeah, excellent, excellently done. Um, right, I think we should probably move on from the the magic segment here, shouldn't we? We probably should. We probably should. Although that is a I mean, it does. It does really make me want to paint something uh, using warlock purple. <laughs> yeah, it does, doesn't it? Just a nice dark yeah. background or something. You got it. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Maybe I'll go and throw about a little bit of warlock purple after we've uh, after we tidied up this conversation. I'd be I'd be very keen to see to see that. Um, but uh, tidy up this conversation. Sadly, we do have to do. Um, our time has ground on. 
and we have come to the uh, to the end. It's elapsed, doesn't it? It certainly has. Very sad. We will return um, for your um, every so often digest of hobby rambling That's on, right. the, on yeah, the preamble. Please join which, us for episode two. Yeah, please do join us for episode two. That would be we'd love to have you along um, so that you can listen to more of our curious stories. Hopefully it's been funny to hear about two small children finding space <laughs> and a, uh, uh, you know, a pack of combat cards. And hopefully um, you can relate to it as well. But um, if you want to get in touch with us, um, our information is uh, above and below. Um, it is. It's all down there, folks. Have a little look. Right. Can you think, like before we sign off, can you think of an appropriate parting shot um, for our dear listeners? Uh, in the form of a quote, oh. maybe, maybe, from, maybe from a oh. series of films. Um, oh. From a series uh, of films. <laughs> a series of films. Yeah, I'll give you. I'll give you a couple of um. Like th- these. This is kind of a challenge. Bromsworth, mm. I, ne- I I never like your challenges. They're always very difficult. I'll do my best. Go on. Come along now. It, it, they're not. They're not challenging for a man of your stature. Um, <laughs> And, Very uh, diminutive stature of that, and law wisdom as well. So, so that there are three of these films in question. The extended versions, I push them to well over thirteen hours worth of watching. They are based on a, an absolutely incredible three books, um, without which probably this podcast wouldn't exist. This hobby would be. A very much lighter looking thing. I think uh, I know where you're going with this one, brother. Okay, then. <laughs> good, good. So, is, is there anything that you can think to quote that might sort of work well as a kind of a, uh, uh, a fond farewell to our listeners? Well, as we sign off from this podcast, yes, we should show our true nature the very highest. The very highest the very highest beautiful well i think that has been a chance for um burlock the captain of gondor to uh show his quality show his quality that's Sorry. the one i was looking for i'm ashamed it can't be said for this podcast which is a which is a, of, of very amateur quality but nonetheless we've greatly enjoyed bringing it to you so it's been lovely until yeah. next time yeah. what an absolute pleasure have a good one folks enjoy your hobbies <laughs> Stay well. You've been listening to The Preamble. Be sure to check us out on Switch, Spotify, or find us on Player FM. And if you want to get in touch with us, send an email to thepreamble at gmail.com. Your hosts were Ronsworth and Burlock. Brought to you by roguesgaming.com. Special thanks to our contributors, our showcase artist, and of course, to all of you. See you next time.